Hi, and welcome to Dr. C and the D. And I'm here on this episode with my awesome PA and sweet friend, I love her dearly, Alexa Karbowski. And what we thought we'd talk about, Alexa, is Roe versus Wade. We are getting so many like daily, daily questions about how this is impacting uh, us and, and fertility providers. So I thought we'd take a few minutes to talk a little bit about Roe versus Wade as well as the questions that have been coming in, uh, both on other podcasts, other resources in our own practice. Uh, but the first thing I wanna ask you is, were you surprised when that came down, Roe versus Wade that morning when you found that information out? I was very surprised um, to say the least. I, I, you know, all these things that have been happening, you always know it's a possibility, but I, I truly, uh, I don't know. It was certainly a shock to me. And that was, um, a very interesting feeling to say the least. So I I was, I was a bit, I was a bit surprised. Yes. I was too. I woke up and I'm thinking, oh my God, we've had this in place for years. And I didn't think twice. I did not think twice that it was going to be overturned. And I woke up in the morning and I thought, you're kidding me. Yeah. How, what, really? Yes. What? Same feelings. What? Same feelings. And then of course the panic set in and then everyone's emailing and texting and, oh my gosh, what does this mean? What does this mean? And, and so obviously people initially are worried about the ability to, you know, pro-choice, you know, and and then the pro-life and, you know, that whole argument. And so I think that still has to get weeded out. And, you know, the, the current recommendations or, or the, 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 the ruling that says, let the states decide, you know, I think we have to kind of see where that pans out. And I think that Michigan recently, uh, what a, a, a couple days, the judge, uh, yeah. you know, the judge said, nope, you know, abortions are still legal in Michigan. But of course, Alexa, for our fertility patients, they have been asking us daily mm-hmm. about how this impacts them. So, um, you know, the questions we get is, is about egg freezing. Okay. So one of the questions is, you know, what does Roe versus Wade have to do with egg freezing? And I think, you know, what, what would your response be? What have you been telling patients? So, you know, the first thing I'm telling them is there's certainly still a lot of unknowns, I think, as it is seeming to really be based on your state. Um, I think the big question will be, you know, at what point are they defining life and at what point will that inhibit or limit or dictate what could happen? I think more concerning would, you know, would be the embryo stage Mm -hmm. rather than the egg stage. A lot of the questions I have gotten, there's been some that I was like, didn't even think of that, you know, but I'm getting certainly more of. I have frozen embryos. Will I will I need to use all of them? Um, will I need to be will I be forced to use them even if they're genetically abnormal? Or will you not be able to freeze embryos? Will you have to you know do IVF with the intent of one embryo each time, which obviously adds cost. And then I've had just people who are like, I have a history of an ectopic pregnancy. Like I needed methotrexate. What if that happens again? Do I? Yeah, that, that is a real fallacy on social media. So, yeah. you know, that's ridiculous. So the ectopic pregnancy and the miscarriage stuff, I mean, get real. That is not a normal pregnancy. So what we're talking yes. about with Roe versus Wade is terminating a normal pregnancy. So this, this ridiculousness I'm hearing 
about do I give methotrexate to an ectopic? That's a joke. That's a medical condition. That is an abnormal pregnancy and an abnormal spot. That is not going to be an issue and life for people. So. And, and it's life threatening. So for people who are, I hear that my, my kids were talking about this. Oh my God, if you have an ectopic, you get, no, no, it's an abnormal pregnancy, an abnormal spot, life threatening. That's a non-issue. That is not going to be a Roe versus Wade thing at all. Same thing with a miscarriage. If you've got an abnormal rising betas and an abnormal pregnancy or an empty gestational sac, that's an abnormal pregnancy. That's not going to be a Roe versus Wade issue. With regard to egg freezing, egg freezing, everyone agrees that's not life, right? Mm -hmm. That's an egg. So there's not going to be an issue with egg freezing, uh, I don't think at all. The other thing is with regard to what we do, people forget that, and this is important to say, fertility is a medical condition, right? It is a medical condition. So if you have a problem with your sperm or you have irregular periods or you have endometriosis, you know, that's a medical condition. So, so you have a, di a diabetic history, you're going to take insulin. You have high blood pressure problems, you're going to take blood pressure medications. You have a medical condition like fertility and IVF is a treatment option, then that's something that we're going to still be able to do, right? Now, with the issue of the embryos, you know, I think there's going to be Alexa, uh, maybe down the road, if at all, the only changes I can really think of is, you know, abnormal embryos are abnormal embryos, right? So, you know, if we do IVF, there might be more requests slash need slash requirement for something called PGTA, which in English means you genetically test the embryos. And, you know, an abnormal embryo, an embryo with an extra absent chromosome, except for five chromosomes, um, those are usually incompatible with life. So they're not going to get you pregnant in nature, so by doing genetic testing, you can weed out those embryos. So that person who does IVF who thinks she has eight embryos and has to use them by doing this PGTA technology, and she's 36, she may not have eight embryos that are genetically normal. She may have three, right? So that's where that technology, I think, may be advantageous in weeding out normal versus abnormal. And, and so I think that's where we would have a little maybe change. The other thing is, you know, do we do IVF, we get eggs, and maybe we only fertilize a certain number of those eggs, right? And then you have egg freezing for the rest of it. So say, for example, you know, it comes down to you have to use all the embryos, well, fine, maybe we define a, a certain number of eggs that we fertilize and see if we you know, get to embryos, 50% of embryos will not go from day three to day five and you genetically test them. So if a woman wants one child, then maybe we, and she's 28, maybe we fertilize five eggs and maybe genetically test because even that 28 year old has a 30% chance of an abnormal embryo. So, I mean, it could be where we have a little more decision-making with the patient about that. Now at Michigan Center for Fertility, and women's health, you know, we're at an advantage because number one, we don't push IVF, right? We're into the natural approaches. We're complementing the wellness uh, with the traditional medicine. Uh, we try to get you pregnant non-IVF unless it's absolutely necessary. We also, if you have indications for IVF, that's what we go for it. We also do a gentle stim. We're not a program that hits you with a ton of drugs and gives you 50X, right? We do a gentle stim is a better stim. And so that's where we are ahead of the game with all these other fertility centers that push IVF 
and they just, it's IVF, 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 and they want 50 eggs. And no, we, we, we're ahead of the game with this. We already have the plan in place. Um, the other thing is, is we, you know, do a gentle stim base and, and gentle stim makes the eggs better. So, so for all those reasons, I think that, you know, we at Michigan Center are not as concerned about what those implications are, are going to be. Um, what do you think, Alexa? I agree. And I think that, you know, if it is an embryo thing at some point with how we do do our IVF, you know, we tend to have embryos that people use, you know, we don't usually have 15 embryos mm -hmm. sitting there that are unused, you know, and we do already have the vast majority of our patients doing the genetic testing. So, you know, as I've told patients, it's, it's kind of ever changing right now and we'll keep them posted right now. All is good. And hopefully it stays that way. But yeah, I think those are some strong advantages that we have. And we certainly have lots and lots of pregnancies for patients outside of IVF. It's not our only treatment option by any means. Exactly. So, and I think by the time, I mean, right now they're arguing with, with the, the abortion issue uh, with a normal pregnancy. So I think it's going to be a while, you guys, by the time for it to hit IVF. I really do. I think it's going to be a while. And, uh, you know, and we also have the American Board of OBGYN, the American Society of Reproductive Medicine. Um, those are advocates to show that fertility is a medical condition. And there are certain medical treatments like IVF that are absolutely necessary to get that patient's family to happen. So, and Elizabeth just uh, messaged me on the side um, about defining gentle stim, you know, in case people didn't know what that would that mean, what a gentle stim is. So there's a couple of stims. So, so gentle stim, what we currently have is where you base the amount of drug on a patient's age, her body weight, uh, her hormone levels and her ultrasound. So too much drug is not always the better thing to do. So uh, the less drug that you use, uh, you can still get a, a quality stimulation and the egg quality may be better. And there's also even a more gentle stim where we use half of the time of fertility drug like Clomid and half the time fertility shots. So, I mean, that will even give less eggs. And so those are stimulation protocols that are more gentle with less stimulation to the ovaries to provide less eggs, but maybe a better quality. So, I mean, I think we've covered, you know, what we can about yeah. Roe versus Wade right now. I think at this current moment, you know, like I said, it's progressively changing day to day. And as I told our patients, if there's anything of importance or, you know, we're going to keep you guys posted on everything we know if it affects them in any way, shape or form. So, and the other thing to remember is that we have uh, an ASRM uh, committees that kind of look into these things. Like when COVID happened, man, we immediately, a committee was formed. We were getting reports every couple weeks to every month about a task force as to what we need to do, where we need to go. We have seen nothing from ASRM as of yet. So, so what we're doing is we're just kind of keeping an eye on it and seeing what the outcomes of the state legislations are and then move forward. So, I mean, as, as we know more, we'll have another podcast to talk about any changes that would occur. But from right now, with the daily questions that we get, keep plugging along you guys. And, you know, again, you know, go for a fertility center that doesn't push IVF, 
and doesn't say state your name, this is the only option, look at your options and you know maybe try to do a gentler IVF if you only want one or two kids. So you're not having that potential dilemma down the road, which I personally don't think there's going to be, but you never know. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you posted. Yep. Uh, so anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. C and the D. And I'm really excited that we got to talk about Roe versus Wade. And, uh, and please keep us, you know, posted on, on your thoughts. And, and I'm looking forward to uh, telling you some more great information with our next podcast.